Welcome to the Circle of the Panda podcast. This is an episode where I had a co-host, Natalie, on here with me, and we have a discussion with Hannah Johns. And this was recorded uh, a while ago, but but it was the beginning when when pickleball was taking off. But we have seen an explosion in it as of uh, over the past couple of years. And in this episode, she will talk about what's going on at the PPA. She's um, went ahead marketing people at PPA. She's also the sister of Colin and Ben Johns. Uh, she talks about the importance of challenging yourself and when to quit something and also when to say no and yes. And we will know we know you will enjoy this episode. And thanks for listening in. All right, so we're super excited to have you on here with us, Hannah. Thank you for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, by the way, and you do a ton. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of things oh, in that job description that you've done. Yeah. And, uh, and also, some of your experiences in, in the Czech Republic are very fascinating to me. And, and uh, so we're going to get to that. But I thought before we got started, I would say how we, how we, what's the common thread? What's the common thread? And it's pickleball. So we're not going to hang on pickleball the whole time, but it is a common thread. And there's something about that sport that's a bit, down here we're saying, kind of magical. So I was out playing pickleball with a buddy, tennis buddy, and you could probably guess how that was going. And uh, sure. typical, make a lot of noise and smack it around, right? And then I was sitting there, and then up walked Natalie and Natalie's husband. And can we, uh, can we join you? And some of the – I'm very fond of Natalie, if you can't tell. Some of the nicest people I've ever engaged with. And then I met Dan Granat, and then I met Zane. Now, now I'm not name-dropping because any of them know me. Dan was actually a guest on the podcast, but the, the common thread is you build relationships that are lifelong. They're lifelong, wonderful relationships that are life-changing. Dan actually said that on the podcast. It's life-changing. So when Natalie was at a tournament, and uh, which, by the way, you guys put on wonderful tournaments. Yes, they do. So then when she called me and said, I, I met Hannah Johns, but when she met you and described you, I went, well, pickleball, it's no surprise, right? There's something about that relationship. And uh, so we are just very honored to have you on here with us. Pickleball is a common thread, but we're going to go in the pickleball and go in other directions. We kind of gave you the warning. It's about your story, and we're excited to hear your story. So if I could turn it over to you two, and you just say how, that you, how you met and what the experience was like. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell the story, Hannah, how we met or... <laughs> So it was actually completely by accident, such a coincidence that we even met at all. Um, so we were holding the tournament and you, you know, Irina Tereshenko, and she loves to have a good time, especially after she's finished playing. Um, and she knew, I guess, somebody at this house party down the street. And it's funny because most of us, if we have to work the next day, we're not even going to go do anything. We're going straight to bed as soon as the <laughs> tournament day is over. Um, but Irina's like, come on, it'll be fun. We've got a good group. We've got Jesse, we've got AJ, we've got Matt Smith. We've got all the, all the pros were apparently up for going to do something that night. So Irina took us to this big house and I don't actually remember the names of the owners, Natalie, it was of that Keith. house. Okay. Keith. Keith. Yeah. So once we got there, um, we started talking and chatting and Natalie had an accent and I was like, oh, she's definitely not from here. And I love <laughs> Europeans. I, I admit it. I, I, I just like, as soon as I hear European accent, I'm all over that person. Um, so we started chatting and you talked about Circle of the Panda, Natalie, and 
we had a drink or two and we, I think we were all getting pretty wild, but <laughs> I, kept thinking, <laughs> I kept thinking, you know, I gotta be on tennis channel tomorrow. This is not good, but <laughs> we were having so much fun talking and just, and just uh, getting to know each other that uh, I don't think we left until pretty late. And then you showed up the next day at the tournament yeah. and you were all playing and <laughs> like these, these Charlotte pickleball players, they're wild. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> yes. We have quite a little hub here, don't we? There's a little group here that it's yeah. pretty close. Yeah, we are. We're all really close together and doing some stuff. But yeah, it was a funny story how we met. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So what is, we'll go to the pickleball. I'm going to go into, um, we have a question about number of siblings you had. So she was telling me about the number of siblings that you have. So that has to be a fascinating story. But from your perspective, what is it about pickleball because it's uh, w what we like about it so much is you teach beginners or you're involved with beginners and it doesn't matter the level people are like there's some kind of magic to this hannah what do you see that's in this sport that's so attractive to people i think a lot of it is there's something magical about the duel of two i would say when it comes to a team um because you're able to connect on a deeper level because there's only one person, but at the same time, it's not an individual sport. It, for the most part, doubles is way more popular than singles. So you're getting to almost bond in like a very beautiful way. Each time you play a game with a new partner, you learn that person's name, even if it's your first time, you're tapping paddles, you're communicating throughout the point, maybe even giving each other advice. And there's often a little bit of downtime between games as well. You know, you're shuffling teams in and out, stopping for water, and you get that chance to to chat. And I think there's just something for me, I think it's magical, the number of two and the ability that for anyone to play. They've said this over and over and over again, but it it really is a sport for everyone. And doesn't matter where you're from or what your athletic ability is. <laughs> um, but I can say that I feel the same way as you. I've met so many friends in the industry and even this chance meeting with Natalie and now here I am on your podcast and it's, it's the connections that you build in pickleball are truly unique and friendships as well. I think it also attracts a sort of, let's say fun, loving, more funky person because the sport kind of does look silly from the outside. And so it's people who have a very open mind and maybe a good comedic streak that decide to play. Um, for the most part. Uh, so I think it cultivates an interesting crowd as well, if that makes sense. It does. Sometimes there's dogs that show up in the yeah. practice. Oh, there's yeah. music and anything's good. Do you still um, play pickleball? As much oh. as possible. <laughs> oh, yeah. How did Not you get started? Time, How did you get started? Uh, with pickleball, it was, it, I mean, it was mainly Ben started playing and um, I was a tennis player and he wanted me to go hit and try the sport. And I was like, oh, this looks dumb. I'm a tennis player. It's loud. You know, the typical <laughs> tennis player snobby response. It's like, come on, you're going to like it. So I went and tried to hit a few times. But then my pickleball sort of my interaction with pickleball got cut because I moved to the Czech Republic. And then Ben continued on, became number one, made this sort of built this whole world for himself. And I wasn't truly a part of that until I moved back. And then I started playing again. There are no pickleball courts in, in Czech Republic, obviously, or most of Europe. So um, after that, I got back to it. And now I love to play as much as possible. I'm only like a 4-0 or a 4-5 on like a really good day. But um, but it's so much fun. Now, is Ben, you're, what number in the sibling list is he? Older brother, younger brother? Uh, he's younger than me. Uh, Colin's older. Colin is um, two years older than me. And Ben is four years younger. 
Now, did you uh, play barefoot? I saw an interview that you did online. Uh, do you play barefoot like your brother? He play, used to have a <laughs> um, reputation playing barefoot, if I remember right. Yeah, he did. He did. He likes to play all sports barefoot. Even when he was a little kid, he was playing wiffle ball and baseball and his, with no shoes on. <laughs> um, I have. I generally play in socks if I don't have anything else because you don't want to beat your feet up too much. But you can do it in bare feet. Just don't move too much. <laughs> Not 107 degree weather. We'll have to no. wait to the cold. Mm -mm. So you mentioned Czech Republic. So you guys are both from Europe. Yes, that's. So, so tell me about like what's your favorite place you visited? What's your favorite place Let's you've see. been in Europe? Uh, yeah, I know Natalie. You're from Germany, right? Near Munich, did you say? Yes, near Munich. That's right. So I. I moved to the Czech Republic, Prague, and that is my favorite city in Europe, no surprise. Um, I did a few backpacking trips through Europe, like several months at a time. And Prague was my favorite place. So I was like, well, I'll just go back and I'll try living there. And I got my teaching degree and I took it over there to teach English as a second language. Um, and there's something about Prague, about Europeans that I, I it just it just calls to me. There, there's something about Europeans that they're very, let's say, blunt and real as they're sweet True. and kind, but at the same time, they tell you the truth. Like I, if I came into work and I said, you know, how do you like my outfit? You know, to my, my Czech coworker, they'd be like, mm, doesn't suit you. You're beautiful, but mm, don't wear it again. You know, <laughs> so un-American, right? So, um, and, and also when it comes to like collegial type stuff, I worked in an academy as a, the director of the English program for a couple of preschools, a school system in Prague and when it came to in terms of do you like the method that your colleague is using in the classroom they were very quick to speak up to i know that in america it's very different we don't generally tell our colleagues we don't like something that they're doing or we disagree with our methods it's pretty passive aggressive but i remember a few weeks into first working there um my colleague came up to me and she's like i need to speak with you <laughs> i'm like okay all right and uh she's like what you do with the kids it's not good <laughs> like, what do you mean you know she's like you're too nice you need to be strict you need to be structured with them <laughs> and then, like they have the cutest accents too she's like you don't always sometimes say no <laughs> so it was this great conversation and, and i think i learned a lot from being over there um in terms of just not being afraid to say what you think and being more honest about your feelings and not being afraid to say something in a nice way even if it might hurt the other person's feelings and i think natalie can definitely attest to that um comparing the two environments. Um, but in terms of Prague being my favorite city, um, it's it was essentially because, one, because of the people, number one. And number two, it has this sort of untouched old world beauty that you don't often find in the other countries in Europe anymore. And Germany also has this as well, where you know it's not like Paris or London, where you're just overrun by tourists and there's just people everywhere taking pictures. It's it really feels like you're transported with the cobblestone streets and the old world Gothic architecture. And it sometimes it's just you just walking through the streets and feeling like you're in a fairy tale. And I guess I'm a romantic at heart and I, <laughs> I still miss it so much. Oh yeah. Sometimes I miss it too, like Europe to visit, but yeah, I like it here. Well, do you I see it the same way though, in terms of the directness? Oh yeah, I do. I do. It's yeah. We can be really directly. Yeah, yeah, I've en I've encountered that with Natalie as well. By the way, she doesn't mind telling me, her or Patrick. Went, no, now in a nice, kind way, but it's a little more direct than what we're used to this this way. So you what you were working? At, what's Miss Wonderland? Was that 
Was that the name of the place that you are, Miss Wonderland? It was. So it says MS, which people see as Miss, but it's actually Mateshka okay. Shkola. Oh. It's a Czech word for uh, preschool. So uh, they just shorten it to MS because nobody can say Mateshka Shkola. Um, so uh, preschool Wonderland, uh, and it's like a conglomerate of preschools. I think there's four, four in, and they are different areas of Prague. And so I was, I headed up the entire English academic program for all of those schools. And so, I mean, it was everything from calming parents who are upset about something to marketing the program, to translating documentation, to creating the academic curricula, to um, going to schools to promote the program and talk to parents and do some public speaking and uh, interviewing new candidates for the positions and teaching as well. So I had a class of my own that I would go and teach uh, daily as well. Um, and I never thought that that's where I would, I would end up. <laughs> my, my, you know, direction of life has definitely taken some turns, but I, I learned a great deal from that experience just in terms of taking control and, and your, the cultural differences can be really overwhelming at times, but, uh, but I did love that job. How many um, years or months did you were like over there? Two and a half years. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. Did your family visit you sometimes or? You'll not believe this. They never came. They <laughs> never visited me. <laughs> Two and a half years. But they're busy. I mean, with seven kids, you know, my parents couldn't really get away. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, when we met on the party, you mentioned like that you wanted to write a book. How far? I, oh yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I do. Yes. How far? Um, go ahead. How far did you get? <laughs> um, I've actually started maybe a dozen novels over the course of my life because I've always been a total literature geek. I, I my degree is in English, in English literature. And, oh gosh, I've never finished a novel. I'm going to be up front and admit that, but I have always wanted to. And when I have the time and space to finish one, and I'd like to, I, this may come off, it, it may sound strange, but I, uh, I really like uh, sci-fi romance <laughs> genre. <laughs> and I do write a lot in that genre. Um, I also have worked on some autobiogra autobiographical works as well. Uh, and then some nonfiction um, when it comes to like, my family and sort of the tra transition and work and everything. Not that I think my story is anything special specifically, but um, I think that there's a, let's say the human experience is very similar throughout, I guess, people from different walks of life. And so not necessarily my story being special, but I like to write about what I experienced because I feel like there's a degree to which everyone can empathize with the situation or, or say, oh, I, I struggle with that as well, or I, I can relate to that very well. So we'll see if anything ever gets published, but you're right. I do eventually want to get there. And my dad says that he'll help me publish it. So he's already got a whole process laid out um, <laughs> to get that on Amazon books. And so we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will definitely buy your book. So we're totally <laughs> excited for that. <laughs> my sci-fi romance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not even sure what that means, exactly. but, oh, but uh, yeah. I'll get it. I'll read it. Um. Yeah. Now you, uh, you mentioned uh, the experiences we, we just met. So pardon me for just 
Hey, you're rubbing off on me. Pardon me for being so direct in this one, all right? So you mentioned your experiences, and there's somebody, you're very humble about the way you put it. You said that your story was, I forgot how you put it, not as unique or anything special, however you put it. But um, but you said in every everybody's story, there's something that that is of value. I'm rephrasing how you put it, to everybody else. So as you write your story, and you say, hey, listeners, here's the thing about my story that you really ought to pay attention to and listen up to. What is that? Or what are those points? Uh, the elements that everyone can relate to. I mm -hmm. think um, definitely life not going as you expected it to, for it to take some turns. And I think you can't always have a, you should have a clear picture of where you're going, but if you don't get there, it's not a failure. You're just headed somewhere else. And I will say that most of my life has not turned out as I envisioned it. I was always a planner when I was young and nothing looks the way that it did. And that's okay. And I think a lot of people can relate to that and trying something and it not being your cup of tea, you know, realizing I tried this, I don't like this. I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, and I can, I definitely have times where that happens. And it's a little bit like, you feel like a failure. You're like, I, I should be able to do this. I should be able to dig my heels in and get this done. But then you realize you're sacrificing your quality of life. And not only that, but realizing the world is not black and white, that there are people who you like and who you enjoy spending time with that may hurt you. And, you know, people mainly are, I believe still that people are mainly good, but there are times when self-interest gets in the way of friendship, let's say. And and everybody can relate to that or, or going through ups and downs with your family or doing something that you didn't think you would be good at. For example, the, the reporting for TV, which is a PPA. When I first got into it, I thought, I'm going to be terrible at this. <laughs> but doing it anyway, challenging yourself and, and so on. I mean, there's so many elements to, I guess, where I've gone, where I've ended up that I think people will understand and relate to. When do you know when something, uh, I use the word failure, when do you know when to quit something? Because people say, don't quit. Now, there's sometimes I believe that you go, I'm failing at that. Uh, it's just not working for me. It's time to change directions. Are you clear on when that is? It's kind of hard for people to know when, when do you just kind of throw in the towel and say, that was just not for me. I need to move on to something else. That, uh, yeah, that's tough. I, I have to say that for the first, let's say six months to a year that I was doing the reporting on TV, I would wake up every morning and I would say, I don't want to do this. I don't want to get out there and stand in front of the camera and potentially make a fool of myself. <laughs> and I, I was like, no, you have to keep trying. This is a skill that you can learn. And then when I finally realized that, okay, I've learned this skill. I don't wake up hating my life anymore. I, I want to be out there. I even enjoy it um, now. And my, my view of it shifted. I, I guess I, I didn't, I realized I didn't need to give up on that and, and believe that that was a failure because it wasn't, it's obviously been a success, but there are other things in my life, such as uh, I was the manager of the social media program for PPA for about a year. And I said, I'll give it a year. I'll try. And I, I, I hate social media. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. absolutely hate it. It's not my cup of tea and I'm not good at it either. So on the other hand, while I chose to go forward with the reporting and I eventually switched mentalities on, on, let's see whether I liked it or not. Uh, the social media aspect, I was sure after a year, I don't like this. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I want out. And so I approached my my boss and I asked him to hire somebody to take care of that part of the my duties. 
Um, and that has helped so much to just take it off my plate. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that that's gone. I would say, you know, it's hard because it depends on the specific skill we're talking about or activity, but I usually tell myself, give it a year. And if you still hate it and you wake up every morning, just dreading getting up to go do this, don't just don't do it anymore. It's not worth it. I'm making notes. See this? Although it's recorded, I'm making, I always make notes of the advice that you're giving me. So thank all the listeners. I find it's a bit of a journey that you just have to, I had a friend that was in his 60s, mid-60s, and he goes, I still don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. It's just kind of a bit of a journey of exploring it, which is some of the fun of it, if you kind of know when to, when to pause it. Is, uh, so we don't always know what makes us stand out. She probably knows because she seems, Hannah seems very self-aware. But something about Hannah, like had Natalie, you have to meet this person. You have yeah. to meet her. What was it that stood out? I mean, I can tell now, but what stood out immediately with Hannah? Hannah is just an awesome person. She's kind and she makes you laugh all the time. And it's just, you're so, so friendly. I just love hanging out with you. <laughs> <laughs> I know we only got two days too. Um, yeah, it was uh, like, that's why I'm still trying to get you to visit me. I will. I will. It was just <laughs> like, we already had like a connection somehow. I don't know how mm. it happened, but on this evening, I just could talk and talk and talk to you. It was just awesome. Yeah, I have... think we started ignoring everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in some point, we did. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have three more questions for you, unless you have some too. Do you have some more questions before I um, ask these? You go ahead. Yeah, so Natalie, um, we had mentioned something about special needs at one mm -hmm. point, and that seemed to peak your two things. I noticed in our email uh, back and forth with special needs kind of piqued your interest as well as um, self-defense particularly for for women uh, yes. from that standpoint you mentioned those two uh, so from a special needs standpoint are you are you are you aware of anything that's going on with in, in pickleball for the special needs community so it's something that we've still all trying to get the tour on our feet we haven't done as much as i'd like to do but i definitely in terms of charities and just moving forward, trying to help people now that we've sort of got a foothold on the sporting world. And we have, let's say positions that we can use and, and skills and resources that we can use to make a difference. And I always been a huge proponent of giving back. Uh, and just even recently, we're working with Skechers for an event in August, and uh, they are partnered up with the Friendship Foundation. And so uh, Catherine, and Catherine Penn and Tyson McGuffin are going to be running a clinic for the special needs uh, kids. They're mainly kids that are going to be there. And I'm so excited. We're going to go and get some footage and pictures. And we have like a medal ceremony plan to just, just, I guess, congratulate them for completing the clinic. And they're, they're so excited about it. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, recently I've been working on something that's pretty dear to my heart. We're working with uh, the American Breast Cancer Foundation. Wow. And uh, we are, they're going to come out to our events in October and give uh, some information about, you know, how to treat or prepare for that, screen for that, um, help with that. Uh, we'll be taking donations for that. So different things that we're trying to do. Uh, definitely helping women is uh, a big, big thing that I try to work on, at least in my career. And I hope to do even more of that moving forward. How do you see the future of the pickleball? Oh gosh, I think sky's the limit. And of course I hope that it is. 
Um, like you said, the accessibility of the sport is something that we really bank on, um, that we think it is a spectator sport is another another thing that we're we're really we feel strongly about. Um, we hope of obviously, I guess, like everyone else, we hope to see it on the level of a tennis or a golf, um, with the pickleball in the Olympics and all that. Um, for me personally, I guess I have a personal stake in it, not just because I work in it, but because my brothers are affected by the decisions that are made with the tour. Um, also my boyfriend as well is a pro. So I guess I come at it from not only a professional perspective, a world perspective, but also a familial perspective. Um, and I just hope that pickleball stays the way that we're talking about it now, that it stays kind, welcoming, friendly, social, because as somebody who's been in it for a few years now, I've started to see that slipping away as more people from tennis, from golf, from other spheres enter it, get interested and, and see the, let's say the business or economic potential of pickleball. And I hope that all of us can keep it the wonderful world of pickleball that it is now. Yeah. I hope so too. I played in an event in Atlanta and it was, it was a very unique blend of a stadium court. Uh, everyone's treated very, regardless of the level, everyone's treated uh, incredibly well. The pros were a very approachable. Uh, it's just a, it's a very unique environment, uh, a blend of a big stage type situation because it's pro level, yeah. but just a kind down home kind of feel very welcoming so i sure hope it stays that way and i'm with the players that i know at the top just from uh, outside looking in it will <laughs> yep because those are the ones that seem to That'll they're demonstrating that quality so it's um, very much so it's neat. so what bit of parting advice can you give us no oh, that's a good question <laughs> i guess through the course of, you know, I'm not that old yet. I don't, I don't claim to have a ton of experience, but through, I guess, my twists and turns, I've learned, first of all, be a yes girl, but also be a no girl. <laughs> um, so, you know, I would say be a yes girl to the extent that don't be afraid to try new things, try new opportunities, even when you feel like you might be bad at it and don't give up too soon. Um, make sure you're, you know, giving yourself the chance to meet people, to be exposed to opportunities and new things. So you be a yes girl, but also, as I've been learning over the last year or two, be a no girl because you need to learn when to, I guess, set your boundaries and save space for yourself. And I guess even as, especially as a woman, I say that because we are used to being agreeable and saying, yeah, of course I'll stay late and do that. Oh yes, I'll take this call at 11 o'clock at night. Oh, of course I can do that. I'll take that onto my plate. I, I, can, I can manage it all. And uh, I, definitely, I definitely got to the point where I was like, this is too much. I'm overwhelmed. I, my personal life is being affected. I'm working too hard and too long. Um, so then be a no girl and be able to say, I don't take calls after six o'clock at night. And no, I can't do that. That is going to be too much. It's going to overload me. I won't be able to spend time with my family this weekend if I take on that task. Um, so last year I worked on Christmas and New Year's and I did that because I care about what I'm doing. and I feel strongly about what we're trying to achieve, but it also affected me mentally. So those of you out there be a yes girl and a no girl as much as possible but learn how to tell the difference between those two as well that's great yeah that's you brought it on the point <laughs> she kind of landed the plane on yeah. us didn't she, she did. that's great <laughs> uh, any other questions that you have 
Um, no. Um. Yeah. I well, one one would be how to get in touch with you. But well, what's the best way to get in touch with you? If people want to get um, in touch, what's the best way? So well, I have a. I guess the easiest way is, of course, Instagram. Um, but if not Instagram, I um, I'm always on my my work email, and you can find the email generally all over the PPA website. Um, I can also give that to you contact wise. If anyone has questions, I'm happy to provide my email. They want to talk about opportunities or advice or potentially ways to get into the PPA tour or pickleball in general. Um, I'd be happy to give you both of those. Thank you. It'll be in the show notes um, at the podcast and then Facebook and Instagram. I want to end on this too, a, a bit of gratitude to you. And if you don't mind me mentioning uh, your brothers as well. Uh, we're living in a in a world out here right now where, um, as we know, it's it's uh, can be difficult. Yep. And as we're engaging with people in this very social, it's it's it truly as I've, I hear it all the time. It's changing pickleball is changing people's lives, and what they're looking at are what the top players and and the, and the sports reporters, like you said, they're looking at the at the influencers in the in the sport and it's you and your brothers and and some other folks and what they're seeing is just class and welcoming and 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 warmth so it's just encouraging to uh to uh, see what you guys are modeling so thank you very much thank you jd that means a lot it's what we want and this concludes another episode of the circle of the pendant podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode with hannah johns and um natalie you can reach out to me directly at jd at circleofthepanda.com.